It is good to, uh, to have you with us today, and I know that, uh, as always, there's uh, lots going on in some of these transitions, and I appreciate what uh, Dakota had to share because, you know, I, was, I wasn't able to see the final round on, uh, on live, but I was able to watch those other, uh, the other uh, competition, the earlier competition, and and you know, I started writing down the ones that I thought could could be in the final, and I never did go back and, and compare it. But the competition is very stiff. Of course, you know, there was a few of those guys I listened to, and I thought, man, I'd hate to sit at an auction. If you've ever sit at an auction all day, the uh, auctioneer can really make or break your your the process. And and for me, I've been to either farm uh, sales, uh, you know, or cattle auctions where the auctioneer was just. Uh, it just wasn't that enjoyable. And listening to several of those guys, I thought, man, Dakota really has his, his work cut out for him. But I knew what we were praying. I knew what his heart was, and I knew how God was going to work in that. But it's interesting that even the things that he, he was teaching or sharing uh, in the offering, not knowing what I'm teaching, he was talking about uh, finding the unsearchable riches of the kingdom of God, finding the knowledge of God, gaining that. But it's through Christ Jesus that we do that. And what's interesting, we're, we're going to, you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians and the book of Colossians, we're, we're going to go through the book of Colossians. And this is a challenge for me because I've never taught uh, through uh, this book. I've never uh, really, I, I've read excerpts out of it. I've read through it, but I've never taught it. And there's a lot of difference between reading it and teaching it and, and getting the heart and the feeling of it and making it uh, good and, and, and interesting. I like, to, I like to preach and teach application a lot of times, and this does have a lot of application. But there's some of the things that are being dealt with here, and we talked, we start, we uh, started this last week. We called this "Connected to the Source," Colossians chapter one, and and one of the things that it, that is being dealt with is is the Apostle Paul, while he never visited Colossia and and this region of, region of Asia, Asia Minor, his converts or those that he led to the Lord were were those that had started this church, and and he was they were experiencing a lot of errors and a lot of things trying to creep in and begin to influence and affect the gospel and the revelation of who Jesus Christ was and, and how God, uh, what Jesus brought into uh, the relationship, into that relationship with God. Because see, uh, where Jerusalem and in the area of, of Galilee and, and all of the areas of, of, uh, of uh, Israel, they were all from a base that understood Judaism. They were they were well versed in the in the rules and regulations, the guidelines, the rituals, the things that that uh, God had established through Moses and and all the different laws. And yet Christ came to free them from having to try to fulfill all of those laws. But the, there's when this began to spread around the world and begin to go in these other places, they were going against other religions, and so uh, they were or they were presenting a new idea and understanding. So there's some similarities, and then there's unique things about some of these books that are written to churches that were outside of there. This book was written in about 80, 80, 60, so roughly 30, about 30 years or so after Jesus was crucified, and, and the Apostle Paul and, and the church 
you know, the Apostle Paul came in after. He didn't walk with Jesus, but yet he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and, and, was, and was given the revelation and the understanding and then later met up with the disciples that had actually walked uh, with Jesus. And so all those things uh, being involved, but the Apostle Paul, was, it's interesting how many of the men that God called to be apostles were not highly educated. They weren't people that were, um, that were looked at as, by the world's standards as being being the educated or the intellectual. But yet the Apostle Paul was both. He was both that, that man who was highly educated, but he was also that man who was given the revelation to carry a, a very huge assignment within the body of Christ. And so all those things kind of being interesting uh, to me as I begin to study the Word of God and, and, and how it relates to us today. Because, you know, a lot of people, and I say this all the time, this, is, this, is, this gives us history, but it's not a history book to me. It's an owner's manual in a way that we're still live our life. So when I read the book of Colossians, I, I, I see relevance today because some of the things that he was combating or fixing an error in the church at Colossia and at Laodicea, uh, in this area of Asia Minor, some of the same things that we deal with today. And so, uh, like I said, this is a challenge to me, but I, I began, it's interesting that God brought me to studying, the, or Gus, us studying, leading a study through the book of Colossians, not knowing when I started it that this was the history of, of why it was written, but then also at the same time, I'm dealing with uh, uh, helping a, an individual that, we, uh, that was saved in, in our ministry through uh, and out of a, a, uh, another religion and, and, in fact, a cult. And so I got this book, this big old thick book. This qualifies me to be right on this topic. I've read a big thick book. Okay. Now, I, I'll just tell you ahead of time, I did not and have not yet read this entire book, but it's a handbook on today's religions. And, and so it begins to identify, give me some of the material or to balance what I'm teaching. So I don't want to bore you with things that are, that are too academic. I, I pr promise you I won't get that deep, all right, because I'm not that deep. But I want to be accurate in the way we, we balance this because this book at Colossia, or written to, to the Col Colossians, was written to correct uh, a couple of specific things, one being relativism, and we talked about that last week, the, the, the idea or the understanding that everything is, is relevant to or, or relates to the conditions or the terms or the, the situation. You know, it's like situational ethics, and it's some, like some of these things. Well, it's, it, it's justified because, and I use the illustration, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take this because it's not really stealing because they have a lot and they don't need it. Well, that doesn't make it in, in it doesn't make it right, right? It, it's still, it was, still would be stealing. There's other illustrations that we get into, but relativism being roughly put is a view that truth and falsity, right and wrong, standards of reasoning, and procedures of justification are products of different conventions and frameworks of assessment that their authority is confined to the context giving rise to them. So, and that's from Stanford's uh, Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And so these philosophies and these things are relative to uh, the conditions. So in other words, there's people that will say, well, we got to interpret the Bible according to today. And that's, the, that's where areas begin to be wrong. You know, some of the cults and some of the religions will, will try to produce or provide another way to God outside of Jesus' faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's a free gift of salvation 
grace given to us by, by Christ and the fact that He lived and walked in this earth, that He took our sin upon Him, chose and was willing to go to the cross and to die a physical death and, be, be, and provide us salvation through faith in Him. That we can't separate from that. And that's what comes in is, is people will begin to change and twist either uh, how you get to God or they'll begin to, to change Jesus' position in the earth. And that's what I was reading in this book as it began to identify uh, the, the ideas. And, and, you know, I'll hear sometimes in, in talking about people that are in some of these religions or cults, they'll say, but they're so nice. Yeah, you ever hear that? Well, you know, they're some of the most loving people I've ever known. Now, just now, that doesn't mean that uh, there's anything wrong with that, except that if you go outside of salvation by the one, Jesus Christ, and if you try to say Jesus was not God in the flesh, then you're beginning to mix something outside of Christianity. And so that's what I'm kind of, that's, that was the, the error that they were bringing in. They were bringing in things that was, were saying, well, Jesus couldn't have been God in the flesh. He couldn't. God would not have been a man. And so they begin to deny the Trinity and they begin to deny those things. So, so those are the reasons and things that I was beginning to study for that other purpose. And then lo and behold, I, I opened the book of Colossians and began to look at the, at the reason why it was written. And all of a sudden I see why God was beginning to bring those two things together. So um, I'd be unhappy if I had to be taken out of the service too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He just doesn't want to sit still, period, right? It has nothing to do with where he is, just don't want to sit still. I can understand that. Verse 15. Let's go to, let's go to that because we, we dealt with the other verses, and I want to get through this and try to get through, uh, believe it or not, all the way through chapter 2 today. Uh, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy." See, that's one thing, and we'll, we'll continue in just a moment, but that's one thing that separates us. Some of the cults begin to, to deny Jesus' supremacy or the fact that He is God. Now, uh, verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, all, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. So we see that in Christ was all the fullness, and we see that in His blood was the uh, peace through, his, through that blood, peace with God. And so uh, he continues on. Uh, where, let, me, let me read this out of this, uh, this uh, Bible's commentary. It says, This is one of the strongest statements about the divine nature of Christ found anywhere in the Bible. Jesus is not only equal to God, but He is God. As the image of the invisible God, He is the exact representation of God. He is not only reflects God, but He reveals God to us. As the firstborn of all creation, He, he has all the priority and authority of a firstborn prince in a king's household. He came from heaven, not from the dust of the earth. He is Lord of all. 
He is completely holy. He is and has authority to judge the world. Therefore, Christ is supreme over all creation, including the spirit world. We, like the Colossian believers, must believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is God, and our Christian faith or our Christian faith is hollow, misdirected, and meaningless. This is central truth to Christianity, and we must oppose those who say that Jesus was merely a prophet or a good teacher. Now, I think you say, well, okay, we all believe that, but yet I want you to identify that there'll be times where people will try to slip in another thought, another idea, and while arguing may be sometimes a waste of time, at the same time we need to know where we stand and it be clear so that we don't allow those other thoughts, those other philosophies, those other ideas to begin to infiltrate our thinking. So where we're, con where we're concerned, we need to have that established and maintained so that, you know, it's interesting, people will begin to study other religions or other ideas or other things, and that's okay as long as you can always come back to the Word of God for your foundation. We just can't allow those things to begin to, to, to filter in, and we begin to compromise what our faith is and, and how the, those things look. And so we got to stand in that. Verse 21 says... Uh, here in Colossians 1, it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Now remember who he's writing to. He's writing to an area that were uh, Gentiles, an area that had, uh, had other religions. This uh, area of, uh, was a, a wealthy area, was a very productive area. They were, they were big on, on education and all of the things that, that created in them an image of themselves being strong and being good and, and being powerful. Once you were alienated from God and your enemies of your mind because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to, his, to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you've heard and that you've been pro proclaiming to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, am, have become a servant. So he's just, again, challenging them, hold fast to it. You were saved under this revelation of who Jesus was. You were saved and you began this relationship with Christ. And as you begin to grow, don't, don't grow away from that hope. Continue to maintain and continue to hold that. Let's look at verse 25. It says, I have become a, its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. The mystery that, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to, to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, whenever we begin to, to put all of our hope and all of our trust in Christ and the fact that He's in us and we're in Him, that, that's the riches of that glory. That's that understanding to begin to walk in that. Um, the the uh, verse 28 says, he is the, one we, he is the one we proclaim. So he always leads back to Christ. It always, that's the difference that he's trying to emphasize. Some will begin to identify maybe uh, works that would produce in you righteousness or right standing. You know, uh, good works is there, to, and it, but it follows us being in Christ, us pursuing God. 
And those are the types of things that, uh, that begin to infiltrate the churches, that we begin to find alternate ways of bringing peace, of bringing strength, of, bring, of gaining wisdom. But it ought to all come back to uh, Christ Jesus. It says, um, verse 29, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So even though Paul was intelligent, he was educated, he had titles, and he had, he, had, uh, he had achievements by man, he comes back to the strength, the wisdom, all that I have comes back to Christ. Regardless, now, you, 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 uh, there'll be times when people will compliment you, I'm sure, on something that you do well. But yet we bring, it, when we have relied on Christ to get us or help us to attain that achievement, we ought to at the same time come back to making that, making that acknowledgement that it's because of Christ working in me. You know, that was the thing that Dakota was, was acknowledging. That's the thing that, that many of you who have got, had great achievements, you, you say, well, yes, I, I worked hard. It's all right to acknowledge that. Yes, I... I was given a gift of intelligence. Yes, I got a loud mouth where he's concerned. You know, that's, you know, he, can, he can acknowledge that. I got a loud mouth, I got a booming voice, whatever. But, but because of those things, you know, I know people that are gifted in things they may never, they don't give, uh, they don't give Academy Awards for, or they don't give uh, uh, man's uh, being gifted at certain things, skills. I think about, you know, Barry, he's an electrician, a retired electrician, I guess you, you would say. But, but, you know, having the ability to understand and see things that are behind walls and, and understand all those connections and things. I mean, there's a certain amount of education that you gain, but that's done by doing. But I can tell you that there's certain people who don't have that, that capability, but we can say, well, I'm good because I'm those things. Or we can say, I've worked hard, I've done my part by the gifts and the graces of God He's provided, but it's through His wisdom, His strength, and we bring the acknowledgement back to God. You know, where, uh, where living a godly life is concerned, or, or maybe uh, being confident that we're Christians, do, do you say, well, I, I'm, I'm a, I am right with God or I'm a good Christian because, hey, I've attended church three times this month or because, hey, I'm better. And, and, or some people who don't go to church will say sometimes, well, I'm better than those people who some of those people who go to that church every week. And, you know, you could look at their life and you'd say, you know, you may be better than some of those people who attend that church every week in some of your actions and some of our actions. We could all get caught in that. But I can tell you this, that without God and without the grace and the mercy and the love of God, none of us have attained because it's not by works. And see, that's one of the things that begins to slip into the church in some of the, in some, is some of the ideas that, as long, as that we can attain right standing if we do enough things. That's what the cults and, and, and some of the other uh, religions, they, they put a measuring stick all based on you do this, you achieve this. But where God is concerned, we accept Him and all these things come as a result of it. So there's an entirely different uh, mindset and, and idea there. Uh, let's, let's look at verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those of Laodicea. Now remember, Laodicea is a church, and this was actually a church just northwest of, of, where, uh, of Colossia. 
And, and that, if you've ever studied the book of Revelations, that's the city that he called lukewarm. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. He said, you're, you're just basically playing games. Well, uh, he, he wanted this letter to also extend to them. And, and I think where we're concerned, it's not the individual church as much as we pull it then to us individually and we analyze us. Now, us as a church, I, I want us to be walking correctly as well. And so, so we're going to work and endeavor to do that. But for us and those who are watching, uh, that is our responsibility to measure this against our own life. Verse 2, he says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom we are... Wait a minute, let me read it. In, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this begins to introduce another issue that they were having, which I think we have today, and that's why I bring these things up. It's things that we see today, and that was Gnosticism. And, and that was simply the, the heresy, a teaching contradictory to the Bible doctrine, undermining Christianity in several basic ways. Gnosticism instilled th that important secret knowledge was hidden for most from most believers, only for a select few. And, and so there was that pursuit that, and, and that, or that pursuit of hidden knowledge or hidden wisdom, but there was the understanding that I got it, so I'm, I'm something special, where he's making it clear that it's in Christ made available to us all. He said, you were all alienated. The Apostle Paul writes in other places where you were, we were all separated from God, even the Jew, because once Christ came, the, the pathway to salvation was no longer the law, but it was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ in making it known or, or in knowing who he was, and it all goes back to that. You see, sometimes I think people get, get discouraged in a, in a walk with the Lord because you try to say, they, they'll say, I just don't understand the Bible or I struggle to attain or have as much revelation or understanding as somebody else. And, and sometimes there's a, there's a uh, condemnation that is either absorbed or, or, or felt by someone or sometimes projected by people who who are spiritual. I'm saying that kind of in quotes, and I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun with it. But, but yet, some, sometimes there's a sense of, I'm better than you because I know more Bible. Okay? Now, I can just tell you that I don't think that we have, uh, and I hope that we don't have a lot of that within, but you, we, you may have all felt that at one point or another, felt inferior I'm, of course, uh, being a pastor, I, I end up in, in pastor's meetings or pastor's conferences or, or in, in with other pastors, and there's some of those pastors who have, who have great, a great amount of education far more than me. Now, the one thing that, that I balance the study and the things that I do is against experience of, of spending time in this. As some of how we gain knowledge and experiences just by living it and reading the whole of this Bible and pursuing God on a every day, every week, every year, every year after year, every decade type of thing. But yet it, it, it's a, it, it doesn't have the same measure of standing as some of these guys who are, you know, they're able to quote Greek and they're, they're talking about some of these things and they're, they're throwing out these big old religious words that I'm like, 
Yeah, it'd be like me hanging out with Sarah and a bunch of doctors and they start talking in doctor terms. I, I don't get that. I don't know. So, okay, okay, talk to me on, on a level that we can understand. You know, sometimes we measure those things. Well, see, I got free from a condemnation of not having credentials of man, but, but having the pursuit, loving God enough to say, God, what are you saying? And keep it in terms that I can understand. But see, the thing is, I wouldn't want to stop associating with somebody who's more, has more education and has the ability to share with me and impart into my life because I was intimidated by their education. So if you struggle and don't have as much, sometimes uh, aren't, aren't able to, to flip through the Bible. I know some people don't want to bring their physical Bible because they don't want to struggle to keep up. They'll tell me sometimes, you move too fast. And, and I try to really, I, I jump around a lot, but I, but I try to do it in a way because I remember struggling with that. I mean, I mean, I, I remember taking my Bible and, and the preacher saying, turn to Colossians chapter 2. And I'm like, oh God, Colossians. Okay, it's one of those C books. Let's see, there's Corinthians, there's Chronicles. There's, but you'll notice sometimes I, I tell you kind of the direction to go to find it. But I don't care if you keep your finger at the front in the table of contents and you flip over there and get the page number. Just, just begin to do it. And through practice, you get more and more comfortable being able to keep up. Some of you are liking the fact that I'm in one book. I'm not jumping around to all these other ones. But see, they begin to put a value, and he was dealing with the value of those who ascend because of an a, uh, intellect instead of ascending because of a wisdom and an understanding of who God is. See, verse 4, he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So again, reading uh, that verse uh, 3, in whom, and he's talking about in Christ or the mystery of who Christ is, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he says anything that's bringing wisdom and knowledge about the gospel or about Christ and about God that's outside of going back to Christ would might bring deception by fine-sounding arguments. Have you ever... Uh, I remember being in some break rooms or, or uh, in, in an environment with a group of guys or people at working in a secular uh, uh, business sales or whatever it was that I was working in. And, and you'll hear people, they'll, they'll begin to reason out how God would handle a situation. Or they'll begin to reason out. And they'll, they'll give a pretty good argument. It kind of reminds me of, of how our oldest daughter used to always come up with really good reasons why we should let her go or, or, or not punish her or, or, you know, change this rule or this regulation. She would come up with some great sounding, fine sounding arguments to why we were wrong. And yet what we had to always remember was, and Sue and I would have to look at each other and we were saying, she's right, this, or, or this seems right, this really seems good, but we've established the groundworks. This is the way it is because mom and daddy said, this is the way it is. There's times we just have to say, because I said so. And then there's times whenever we reason out the Word of God or we look at things consider, concerning life today and people bring arguments, but what we go, got to go back to, God, what does your Word say? How do you deal with this situation? 
Verse 5 says, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So he, he brings them, identifies a problem, but he comes back to it and he says, But I'm going to trust, I'm going to expect for you to stand firm, disciplined in Christ. You know, I love that is, is you identify a problem, but you encourage at the same time. He brought them around to this is what my expectation is. You know, when I was a youth pastor and soon I were doing youth work, one of the, one of the, the, the statements that guided us was that, that teenagers will always rise to your expectations. I can tell you this as a parent. You ought, to, you ought to set expectations for your kids and let them be known that you're expecting them to do good. You're expecting them to make right choices. Don't, don't continually set the bar low or expect them to fail, to be clumsy, to not be efficient, not be good, to, to, be, to, to dis begin to set that bar ex expecting them on good. Expecting those things. And, and I think there's a powerful uh, part of parenting in that. But we ought to also set the bar with ourselves. Can you say, that's my expectation? Not that I'll fall, but that I'll have the wisdom of Christ, the mystery of Christ, and that I'll be disciplined and I'll, I'll be able to stand firm in the faith in Christ Jesus. So verse 6, he says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in, your, in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. He, he gives us, just in that verse 6 and 7, a way to live a godly life, a good life, how to walk that out. He says, as we've received Christ as Lord, continue to live our lives in Him. You know, when we accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, we were, we were acknowledging a need for a, for a Savior. We're acknowledging a sinful nature, a sinfulness that said, Lord, I, I need you. And, and so when we come to that knowledge, he says, don't ever leave that. Don't ever get so comfortable and, and, and confident in that, that you don't always fall back on the fact that we need his grace, we need his love, we need his mercy every day. I tell you what, I, I love. I, I tell ministers this all the time that, that come or people that, that want to walk with God, really. It doesn't even mean the ministry, but that's what developing that regular prayer life is. It's easy, even for me as a pastor, to get busy and, and limit the amount of time and, and my time with God be, be affected. It's a constant work, constant struggle to, to balance my life, but I don't ever want to forget that simple truth that when I received Jesus as Lord, that I've got to continue to live in Him, that He is my life, that I live and move and have my being through Him. You know, Galatians uh, 2.20, that, that I'm, I, I died in Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but a Christ living in me, Ma making that my, my prayer on a regular basis. And so He's, he's giving that. He says, be rooted and built up in Him. I love all the places where the Apostle Paul brings in, in him, in Christ. That's such a great teaching. He says, strengthened in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Boy, I tell you what, that, that attitude of thankfulness is so powerful for us in an everyday life, being thankful. Lord God, I thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. This morning as I was preparing, I was you know, just this is a lot of material and a lot of stuff, and I don't have any notes. I mean, I, these are these are last week's notes. I've got, you know, just a little bit, 
but I had all this information. It was too much information for me to rewrite in notes. That's just not the way I teach usually. And so I, I, I began, I was just pouring over all this information, but I said, Lord, I need your anointing to communicate this in a way that, that doesn't offend, but that helps, that doesn't separate or confuse, but, but is clear. Lord, I need your help to do that. And I began to walk around the island in our kitchen, and I was just praying, and I just began to worship the Lord and declare his word. That's the way we live is in him. We continually draw on that. And I had to just be, remind myself, be thankful for, for beginning with salvation in his forgiveness, in his restoration, in his healing, in his wisdom, in, in the empowerment and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God, the, all of those things that give us the ability to walk this through. And so he, he, he says, be strengthened in your faith as you were taught. So taking that word and, and, and reapplying, overflowing with thankfulness, overflowing with thankfulness. You know, that shifts that attitude, sh prevents us from being consumed with all the things that are wrong. If we're, if we're focused on thankfulness for what he's done, it shifts us away from all the things that are, that are wrong all the things that aren't quite there, all the things that frustrate you or distract you or overwhelm you or can, can, uh, consume you. you. You take that and you declare both an over, over, I love that, overflowing with thankfulness. You know, if you, if you see a fountain and, and there's water flowing, forced up, spraying out of that, do you think you can put anything in that? If that water, if that water's flowing out, you can drop an acorn on there. You can take chaff. You can take dirt. You can take, you know, rocks. Something heavy enough, weighty enough might go in. But if the force of that water coming out is overflowing with a, with a force that, that keeps everything else out. If I'm overflowing with thankfulness, for, for what he's done, it's pretty hard for me to get down and get discouraged and get, and get tired and consumed by all the weight of those things. So anytime, so that tells me, anytime that we begin to get overwhelmed with life as it is, what do we do? Go be, begin to be thankful before God and begin to, that's why we learn and memorize scripture. That's why we write down scriptures that speak to us. And that's why we take that. And sometimes you've got to be just that determined that God, I'm going to get before, before my face the Word of God and what it says so that it's overflowing and that thankfulness drives out, over, forces out all those things that want to come and try to, to, to muddy up our, our fountain. You know, it's amazing how many illustrations, the, the, the life of God springing forth we got to remember, the world tries to say you can do all this on the outside, and, and Paul constantly brings them back to it's in Christ or Christ and Christ in us is where your strength, where your hope, where your salvation, where your provision, where your wisdom comes from. You know, I love to study, as I've said. I, right now I've got... You know, four Bible, three or four Bibles open on my on my desk, and and two or three books that I'm pulling from that I'm I'm always gaining, trying to gain and grow, you know, and read. But at the same, but it always comes back to, and always should come back to, how does it balance through the Scripture, through the Word, and ultimately, 
the ability to take all of that knowledge that you've gained and apply it to life comes through the hidden treasure of the wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what comes from Him. No matter how good you are at cattle, at horse training, at, you know, at, at elect, electrical work, no matter how many years you've had in, in whatever, in music, whatever it be, God can cause what you do to be that much better. The, the business of, of life begins to be affected. So verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and, ele and, and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather, rather than on Christ. I just wrote in my Bible, Don't mix philosophies of men and other religions with, with, with what God's given us. So we got to make sure that even and, and if we ever listen for information or study with, with, so that we have understanding, it all comes back to God's Word stands against them all. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Verse 10, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were all circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you, when you were circumcised by Christ. So he says it's a spiritual thing. You know what was interesting back then? They understood the entrance into Judaism, into the covenant with God, was through circumcision of the flesh. But now that was no longer the requirement. Now it was the circumcision or the, or the changing of one's heart, and that included everyone. And so that's, that was valuable to them. They understood that process because he's talking about this is how we enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in, working, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You know, to them, they were already Christians. He's writing to Christians. He's saying, don't forget that you were buried in Christ Jesus and raised to new life in him. Keep that as our foundation. Verse 13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Now notice he went from talking about you to back to talking about us. He brought himself into the equation at that time. And he says, He forgave us all our sins. He says, uh, verse 14 having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and, has, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Boy, he just brings in that picture of understanding all authority was in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation, no accusation, nothing that the world can bring against you when you've put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, when you've given Him your life, and when you've declared Him as Lord. He said all those requirements that man would try to establish, rules, regulations, if you do these, you're good enough. No, he said all of those things were brought and nailed to the cross. Man, I'm, I'm very thankful he was nailed to an empty cross because Jesus went there, bore our sin, all the sins of mankind, died, was, was buried and, ra and raised again. But that cross is a remembrance of all that Jesus has done. Well, as I, 
as I, as I get ready to wrap this up, oh, man, we're so close. So close. Verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regarding religious festival nor modern moon celebration or Sabbath day. These things that were, were come, the reality to come, the reality, however, is found in Christ. So and again, he's not he's saying don't, don't let all these other things, but are, are the reality of all these things happen because of Christ. Well, listen, as, as I close, you, you can read the rest of that. If we want to start, we can jump in at verse 1. of. I don't have to read every verse, right? Some of you will, will think I need to, but you read them all, okay? But see, I, I don't want to spend too much time belaboring some of these things because he just he's 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 dealing with this but here's the thing you know in the world that we live in there's oftentimes these alternatives or these other ideas that come in and they try to be be relevant to today or they try to be changed or or adapted for today and listen the word of god continues to be viable as it is written as it is given you know the, the, the thing that, that I want to challenge you with is continue to desire to grow in knowledge in all areas, but always come back to Christ. Always understand and make, make the, the, the decision. I'm going to stay with what the Bible says. I'm going to stay with what the Word of God says. I'm going to learn and trust in what God has provided in me and not allow the influences of this world and the philosophies of men to influence how I approach the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, and, and Lord, we just thank you that, that we can go through a book in the Bible that was written in 60 A.D., and yet we see the same challenges for us today as Christians, as believers. But Lord, in, the, in, this, in this world, we're called to love all. We're called to, to walk as Jesus walked. Father, we thank and praise that Jesus was the perfect example, the, the God-made flesh that was all man but yet all God, and, and He walked this earth, and as He did, He handled every temptation, and He understood everything that we, that we experience and, and, and loves us because of it. But even though He never failed, He understands that we will. Father, we, we have as an example within the life of Jesus Christ and, and the walk that He walked those that came to him with, with great sin. But Lord, I thank you that Jesus was willing to receive each and every one of them. As they were, he loved them, he went to them. But Lord, he also didn't leave them in their sin, justifying it or, or leaving them the same. He produced in them a life and an ability to overcome whatever sin they had. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that today that we'll, we'll be that way if there are those that are caught in lifestyles or, or lives of sin or, or, or practices of sin. or, or the, the Father God, uh, whether it's through uh, spiritual affliction or, or, or just uh, choices they've made, that Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that you come to deliver, to heal, to restore. And Father God, I pray that, that for any of those and all of those who would make choose to make Jesus Christ Lord of their life today, that they, could, that they could come to Him and know that He wouldn't reject, but Lord God, He'd receive. And in Him's receiving, He brings the new life that's needed, necessary, and is provided through that relationship with Jesus Christ. So Father God, I pray that, that for anybody who needs to make Jesus Lord, whether here or watching online, 
that they'd, that they'd make that decision to say, Lord, if you'll receive me as I, as I am, and, and he will, that, Lord, I confess you as, as Lord, and I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, create in me that, that person that you'd want me to be. Be my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father God, that you'll receive them and begin them on a walk to new life. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, one of the things that we don't always do is have an altar call and, and ask for, or for opportunities to pray over people. But uh, I want you to uh, know that we have available to you the, the altar, the area to pray. And if you're online, you can contact us through either Facebook or the website uh, if you'd like prayer or like help. But uh, we're going to dismiss the service, but we're also going to pray. Does Mark, you want us to pray for you? Uh, Mark's go, we're going to pray after the service. We're going to pray over Mark. He's having back surgery again. Is that right? They're going to go back in? No, they're just waiting for it to heal up. It's what? Don't know yet. Okay, so i got to get clear on what we're praying for, but we're going to pray for him. Uh, he's had a lot of different challenges where his back's concerned, and God's restored him, and then, and, well, and doctors, and med you know, uh, the combination of all of that. But then he had another issue, fell, and, or had another uh, issue with his back, so we're going to pray with him. If there's anybody else who needs prayer after service, you're welcome to uh, come up. We'd love to pray with you. So, uh, But uh, let's, let's close in, in a song. And then we'll do that.